Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us again tonight. Sorry, it's been a, a couple of weeks since our last pod. Just work stuff got in the way this week uh, for me to get it all out, but uh, hopefully you didn't miss us too much. We have got a bumper session this evening. I'm really looking forward to tonight because uh, Daniel, who's joining us, uh, is, a, is an old friend of mine that uh, we caught up at the 2019 uh, London series. I think it was the first time we, we met each other. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing his story. And before he says too much about himself, I just want to make sure that everybody is sitting up in their chairs, nice and tidily, eyes are to the front, because the head teacher is in the classroom. Daniel, great to have you. Quiet at the back. Thank you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's an honour to be here, Steve. Thank you ever so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, there's an absolute pleasure. I, I think there's so many things and so many comments we probably could make about uh, teachers and head teachers and whether we've had great teachers in our lifetimes or, or poor ones but I just want to at the start say hats off to you sir because I know many many people who've come through the lockdown season of the last two years and have suddenly realized how much brilliant work you guys you guys do in the teaching profession so uh, well done I mean what was that what I mean before we get into the Blue Jay stuff I mean what's that been like for you just tell, tell us a little bit about what you do and where you are uh, and then just tell me a little bit about this sort of last two years for you. Sure. So I'm head teacher at a primary school in Sudbury in Suffolk. We're a, a sleepy little market town just on the Essex-Suffolk border near Colchester and Ipswich. Uh, and we're a, a 250 children. We've got a specialist unit as well. Um, and it's been, well, it seems like two years has sort of gone by and then dragged a lot at the same time. It's been really strange. Because we're a, a sleepy market town in Suffolk, we joke we don't tend to get things the same time as everyone else trends and fashions and everything sort of arrive a little bit later here so actually for the first two lockdowns we didn't have any covid in the school at all which wasn't to say that it wasn't really challenging the organizing home learning um looking at key work of children thinking who could come in who couldn't making sure that all of the children uh, were safe and that we were able to just check up on them there were lots of challenges there but actually in terms of the health of everyone we sort of got through it and more by luck than anything. I think all secondary, primary, all schools, nurseries as well, did a brilliant job keeping everyone just as safe as they possibly could. And it was just down to luck whether COVID came calling at your setting or not. But actually at the moment, we are really struggling with it. We've got seven members of staff who are off with COVID. We've got one class of children who normally be 30 children were down to six, uh, another class down to 12. So it seems this new variant, uh, people aren't seriously ill with it, which is great, of course, but actually at the moment, it's, it's really hit us. So the last two years, you know, the silver lining of it, I think, is that it's brought the school community more closely together. I mean, you mentioned people thinking that, you know, what a job teachers have, but I have to say what a job parents had as well, because for people to have to homeschool and suddenly pick up on all of that and not be able to go to work and deal with all the stresses and worries that that life brings you and that COVID was bringing you as well. I have to say, if I'd been at home with my daughter, I have a, a seven-year-old daughter, Emma, uh, there's no way I'd have been able to homeschool her. It would have been absolutely impossible. Just the relationship between all of that, it would have been a real challenge. So, you know, our hats off 
to to the parents and actually as a school we did silly little things like um last year we sent all the parents a valentine's card and a packet of love hearts just to say thank you and well done because it's not something that parents you know apply apply for or train for or anything like that but they've they've done brilliantly so yeah the last two years have been have been busy uh, and strange but you know fortunately everyone's safe and we're coming through it stronger as a community and we just can't wait to get back to whatever normal looks like as soon as possible yeah no i think you're absolutely right i think every community has been affected in a different way every school i mean the same just before we started recording my wife's school teacher and her school have currently just so just before christmas into the new year been hit hard again with with covid she had it just before christmas and uh, yeah it just impacts everybody doesn't it there's there's no there's no stone unturned with this uh, wretched virus and uh, particularly i think in the school environment where everybody's so closely knit together uh, both yeah and, and the, the other thing to say with it Steve, was just how brilliant children have been because that sort of gets overlooked a little bit but there are things that are coming out now like we took a class swimming so year three so they'd be what seven eight years old uh, and we took them swimming and there are only three children in that class who could swim because for the last three years or two years they hadn't been able to go into a swimming pool and we've got children who are having their first birthday party now for the first time in two or three years you you look at all of the little life's moments that they've missed out on and when they've been in school they've only been able to be in their own bubble they're called as a class they haven't been able to mix with other children or anything like that it's been really strange for them it's been really hard and yet they have been absolutely fantastic here obviously but just across the board I have nothing but respect and admiration even more so for the way that you know the resolution of children and the way that they've just looked out for each other and just been really kind and lovely to each other and helped each other and helped us get through it it's been fantastic. It's been a privilege to be in schools while this is going on, despite everything else. You know, it's been a great place to be. Certainly something that Teacher Training College probably didn't uh, prepare you for uh, in in terms of uh, what do you do when a pandemic hits and how do you run a how do you run a primary school? It's, uh... Teacher training and, and head teacher training doesn't prepare you for anything at all. Every single day there's it. So the, the first day or one of the first days that I was here, had a phone call from our local superstore. I know this isn't baseball, but I just, just to let you know. And um, they've been doing a competition at, at the local superstore where five or six different schools had designed um, posters for recycling. And they were up on the wall and you got a little counter when you went for your shopping and you could put a counter and a jar under a picture and you could vote for the one that you like the best. And they're all anonymous. And I got a phone call from the store to say that someone on CCTV had been captured emptying out all the counters from every other one apart from our entry and putting them in and what was I going to do about that and I was going back through all my training going, no, I don't think they covered that either but it's brilliant it's part of the attraction of the job that you get so many different things so many fun things you can go from going down in reception and the children pretending to comb your hair and or you're a monster and you're helping them with their writing to some pretty serious conversations with parents and I love it. That's the sort of thing, you know, that variety in your job is a, is a wonderful thing. Yeah. No, there is there is a sort of slight tenuous link uh, to Blue Jays that I want to talk to about before we leave the classroom and your school environment. Because when around the country uh, last year, when we were clapping the NHS and so on, you rec- recreated a bit of a scene at your school uh, with the Blue Jays, didn't you? Just Just tell me what happened and and how that came about and how, how the kids responded to that. 
Well, we had um, we had a key worker class. So we had about six six to eight children who came into school each day because their parents worked in hospitals and so on when everyone else was on lockdown. And it was my turn to cover them and teach them. I thought, I know, I'll teach them about baseball because it would have been opening day a couple of years ago. And I thought, well, if if, if the MLB can't have opening day, then here at St. Greg's, we'll, we'll put one on for them. So I showed the children some you know, videos of baseball, talked them through the rules, uh, obviously showed them the bat flip. Um, and everything else like that. And then we went out onto the playground and we recreated that. So we had one of the children hit a home run, give it the best, most arrogant bat flip that he could, run all the bases. And then we had, a, I think it was a bin full of ripped up blue paper so that we could tip that over him as well. So we imagined that it was opening day and the Blue Jays hit a walk-off um, Grand Slam home run against the Yankees and they won opening day. And we filmed it. And it was great. I think lots of people in the UK baseball community picked up on it and shared it and commented. Uh, MLB saw it. The Blue Jays saw it as well, which was amazing. So they sent us a message too. Uh, and the kids loved it. I mean, we've got rounders, obviously, and I know there's not that many comparisons between the two, but they really enjoyed it and they carried on playing it afterwards. So when the cameras are off and they were coming in the next few days, you know, we've got our own little baseball group now, which is yeah, fantastic. That's that's brilliant. And I love I love that sort of adaptability of of life when you can you know when the chips are down and and things look really bleak you can still find things to do that bring joy to people and put a a smile on people's face so well done i i love that that little clip and i was so pleased that you know the jays did did respond and give you a little bit of um, kudos for doing that so um great great story daniel they are brilliant at it aren't they it's one of the things i really like about baseball and about the blue jays in particular the fan interaction on social media things like that is great they you know they don't just put statements out on there and schedule tweets they they properly correspond with you and comment on what you've done and like it and share it and they really engage I think absolutely fantastically it's one of the things that I really like about American sports about baseball and the Blue Jays in particular yeah no fantastic so let's um let's rewind the clock then uh to your first dip into baseball world Give us your backstory then to game. Had you seen it somewhere? Was it always the Jays? What was your backstory to your love of, of baseball? Well, I'd always wanted to, to see a baseball game live. I think when I was really young, I heard that you got to keep the ball if it came near you. And that just you know really appealed to me. So, so from an early age, I wanted to see it. And then it was films like Bull Durham and things like that that I'd seen. And um, when I went to America, I'd always wanted to try and catch baseball games, but I'd never gone, been to New York a couple of times, but never gone during the season. And then um, my wife and I went on honeymoon to Toronto. So we did Toronto and New York. And we went towards the start of the season and the Blue Jays were playing at home while we were there. So that was it. But absolutely, I've got to go. Got to have this, take this opportunity to watch a game. So Blue Jays were my my first team. We actually went and saw the the Yankees a couple of days afterwards um, when we'd been to Niagara Falls and went down. Not the same experience at all because the Blue Jays were incredible. And you talk about, um, you know, not pandering to your fan base, but reaching out to your fan base and doing all you can to feel part of a family and community. Because we were on honeymoon. I was I was trying it on everywhere. I was sending emails before we go saying, oh, we're going to stay at your hotel. And we're on honeymoon, by the way. Please give us a nice suite and just see what you can get. And I did that with the Jays. And they replied and they said, no, you've got to come early and we'll, we'll show you around. So they took us to batting practice, uh, which was incredible. So you can see, you know, you, the, the sounds just from being really close 
with the roof closed as well and the echoes and no crowd to absorb it, you could really hear the ball traveling. So we saw um, Jose Bautista doing his batting practice stretches and so on. It took us all the way around the stadium. We didn't get to go into the clubhouse, um, but they just, they gave us this really personal tour, answered all our questions because we didn't know that much about the sport as well and just made a real fuss of us. We were given balls that were used during the match uh, afterwards as well. And I just think the way that they, they properly looked after us. And I think when you go to a baseball match, certainly then, you get a little certificate to commemorate that this was the first match you'd been to. Um, and a little, we had a card as well with all that on. And they they gave us those. So we've got these wonderful mementos and memories. Not just, I mean, the, the Jays played the Astros and they lost. Uh, unfortunately, R.A. Dickey was was pitching. We got to see him throw a pickoff at, at first base. We haven't seen many of those in, in games live since. We got to see... Adam Lynn come off as a as a designated hitter, and the noise when he came on, it was I, you know, huge fan favorite. I think while he was there, and there's everyone right. Adam Lynn's coming. We can do this. We can get we can get through it now. And he got a hit, and the place erupted, and just the whole atmosphere was incredible, and the way we were looked after, and I just loved it straight away. Um, I played cricket a lot before I went out, and there was obviously similarities there because. You've got the you've got the team game, but then you've got the duels within it of a bowler against a batsman, a pitcher against a hitter, and so on as well. And I really like that the, the the way that individual glory leads to team success in a way as well. The way that they're combined, and the little stories and subplots you get during a game, which were fantastic. And then I tried it when we went to Yankee Stadium. They didn't want to know, so we had <laughs> nothing like that at all. Um, I remember before I went out, I was saying to to friends, well, "I've got the chance to go and see baseball. I'm going to be in Toronto, New York." What's it like? And they used a football analogy. I remember one of my friends saying, well, you know, the Yankees like Manchester United. It's it's corporate and, you know, they're a big name. And then it was good to say you've been there. But the Blue Jays are like Aston Villa. They, say. <laughs> they will, um, yeah, much more friendly and they won't win all the time, but you'll have a lot more fun following. And they were absolutely right. So I just fell in love straight away and then got back from honeymoon. was thrilled to find that I could get MLTV, uh, MLB TV. I could watch the games and just started doing that at the weekend, staying up late more than I should, you know, to watch games as well. Fantastic. Loved it. So what was that, 2013, 14, somewhere around 2014, there? yeah. 2014, yeah. Brilliant. And and did your wife, did she fall in love with the game as well? Is she is she a keen follower or was it was it mainly yourself? No, it was both of us. So she's got the, the jersey as well. Um, and um, our daughter, one of the first things that our daughter got when she was born, she was born just nine months after honeymoon uh, and we were in Toronto, was she's got a little bat and she got a little Blue Jays you know, top as well. And so she, from an early age, I know she's had no say in it, but from an early <laughs> age, she's been a, a Blue Jays fan as well. Um, yeah. She had a Bringer of Rain t-shirt. Um, and I think Josh Johnson commented on it. It's, it's, you know, so, yeah, it's been a part of all our lives. And, and during lockdown... When the Jays were doing things like um, make a, a, a banner that you would have held up if you were at the stadium yep. or record us a message, my wife and daughter did that. And there's a, a lovely little clip of my daughter going, Blow, go Blue Jays from the UK and jumping up in a shirt and so on. So she's really looking forward to going to a game. Actually, it'd be really nice. She's she's not into football at all, but she does like the idea of the Blue Jays. I don't know if it's just Ace and she wants yep. to meet him, <laughs> but uh, yeah, when we finally get to Toronto whenever that will be she's up for a game and that'll be great so it'll be the whole family go which yeah really nice. that's, that's amazing and I think I think when you do it as a family as I've reflected on here several times um you know from my first visit back in 94 
and then to be able to go back and take my kids and give them the experience of enjoying sitting in the ground, doing all the things that you said about going early, seeing batting practice, trying to get a foul ball. Uh, and we've never been lucky enough with foul balls, so I'm very jealous that you've got a load of balls. Um, but um, yeah, but that whole sort of family experience of, you know, it's a, it's a game that you can just chill out to. If you have to go off and get yourself a beer, you, you know, you're not missing all the action, you know, the food as well. It is a fantastic family thing. And I think it's something that uh, we don't really do so much here in the UK. I think, you know, you mentioned cricket. I think cricket is working towards that type of atmosphere, particularly now with the white ball game and, and so on. But, but generally, you know, it, it's similar in terms of length of time and, and so on. But um, I, I love the, the family element that you've, uh, you said. Where, where were you in the um, ballpark when you went for your first game? We were, we were behind home dugout. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, a few, a few rows back. Uh, which was great. I'd say batting practice. I mean, all these things, they were sort of wasted on us in a way because now I think back, um, Bautista was interviewed while we were down there. It was just my wife and I and the, the person who was showing us around. And he was interviewed. And afterwards, he walked past us and he looked at us as though, well, aren't you going to ask me for a, an autograph or a photo? And I didn't really know who he was because <laughs> we were so new to it. And I think back now, I thought there should be a photo of my wife and I with the guy who did the bat flip and was one of the absolute all-time favourite players, complete legend, wasted on me. It's like, you know, Messi, someone going and Messi being there at the football and then just shrugging him <laughs> off because they have no idea who he is. So I'm just, I'm disappointed with myself for that. But uh, no, we had, we had great seats. And you've mentioned the family thing. That actually annoyed me a little bit. The fact that people get up and leave all the way during the, the game and go and get food all the time. I'm like, no, if I'm there, I want to watch the whole thing. And yet people are sort of pushing past you to go and get their drinks all the time. So I'm particularly at Yankee at the Yankees, actually, which wasn't great. So now once you're there, I want to watch the game. But maybe if I've seen a few more, I'll um I, th- I think that's I'll it, isn't it? That. I think that's it. We're so used to, particularly in football world, you know, it's the Saturday afternoon, you're there, you're watching your team, you're supporting them from the terraces. Uh, whereas with baseball, you've got so many games, haven't you? And because you've got so many games the urgency of being able to watch every moment sort of dwindles a little bit. And I think, I think that's the sort of thing that's going on there with everybody else who's turning up to, you know, even if they turn up to 20 ball games a year that, you know, they're seeing a lot more than most of us would do. Whereas, you know, us guys coming in from the UK, this is like my one or two games that I've got on my holiday. And this, yeah. and this is everything. Would you, would you get a, a whole season ticket if you were there? Would you get the, um, the full home game? I think it would be, uh, I think it all depends on what, what status of life you're in. I think to, to watch it full time, I'm not sure you could do that and work. Um, certainly friends of mine who, who live out there, their mindset tends to be that they would perhaps go to the evening game, but they might not arrive until inning four or five, go and have a couple of beers, see a bit of the ball game, catch up with their mates and go home. Um, which So I think a season ticket, holder for a baseball game is very different to a season ticket holder at Colchester United, for instance. Um, you know, I think, you know, when you've got a football season ticket, you go to every game, hell or high water, don't you? Whatever the weather. Whereas I think in baseball, it's much more take it or leave it. Oh, okay. There's another, you know, hundred games in the season. I don't need to get to this one. So I'm not sure I would. I think I might, I might be tempted. They do these flex packs, which I quite like the idea of where you can buy a, number of tickets across the season and, and pick which games you 
you want to go and see. I think there there probably be particular series I think that would be fun to to watch. Uh, obviously, depending on who's hot at that particular moment in time. I mean, the Yankee thing. I think so many people I've heard of, you know, had similar experiences at, at Yankee Stadium, where it's not been a great great watch to be honest. Uh, particularly if you're a non-Yankee. So I can see. Yeah, I mean, well, it was it was Yankees Red Sox. Um, and we did get to see David Ortiz come out and bat and the abuse that man got. Oh, yeah. Um, but he, you know, he rose above it and responded to it. Fantastic. It was, it was incredible theatre, that bit. And I and when the, the Red Sox hit a home run and all the crowd going, throw it back, throw it back, and the, the ball went back in, you know, I think the fact it was that sort of rivalry helped. But, yeah, it wasn't as good an experience at all. So Yeah, yeah. So you went to see the Yankees-Red Sox at Yankee Stadium. And then you went yep. to see, and then you went to see the Yankees Red Sox at the London Stadium. Yes, uh, with my dad and my brother, and that was really special. Yeah, um, because we, in between time, we'd had a family holiday. All fourteen of us, and my sister and her children, and we'd gone out to um, Florida. And while we were there, the the Jays opened the season at um, against the Rays at, at Tropicana Field. So we were able to, or part, I can't the Trop. So we were able to to go and watch a couple of games there, uh, which was brilliant. Um, and the whole family went, not not the, the children, my daughter was too young, but my dad and my brother, we went and saw a game there. And for me to be able to introduce them to this sport I'd been banging on about um, and how great it was, and they hadn't actually got to see it, was, was really special. And um, I think my dad commented how much better it was live than on the telly, because I think with all the ad breaks and everything else on the TV, sometimes it seemed a bit slow. So... No, he loved it. And when the chance came to go to the London Stadium uh, to see a game, it was a very unusual, very high scoring yeah. <laughs> game that it was. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We, we were in Colchester, so it was just an hour down on the train as well. Uh, but to, to go and have that experience together, the three of us, again, really special. And to say we were at the first game uh, is fantastic. And then also, obviously, to meet you, Steve, on the, the day before, on the press day and, and everything else and, and see just how many Jays fans there are. Yeah, in the country, and how many turned up for that as well was was great. I thought the whole thing was just it was done really nicely, and I really want the Jays to come over in a few years' time. Yeah. I think the, the fan base is here for it, and I think in a couple of years, when you know when we've won the World Series, when the young players have fully realised their potential, and when we're a dominant force for a few years, as we will be, I think there'll be that global recognition, and and the name will mean more as well. So I'd, I'd love us to come over for a for a series, and then. Obviously, you know, the people who've been Blue Jays fans for a little while, Steve, you've got contacts, haven't you? That would be okay. great. We can... One or two people, yeah. Yeah, meet up yeah. with some of the players. I'm glad to hear that the highlight of your weekend was meeting me. So, I mean... <laughs> Absolutely. I've still got a little card. You gave out your little oh, card, I did. didn't you? I've still, yeah. got, I still yeah. got that in my wallet as well. No, that was really nice because, again, you see people online or meet them online and, and, and you tweet and it's not... But to actually get to catch up, there it is. Um, but also. You know, we've had the Zooms afterwards as well. And to to get to know more people and through the, the podcast as well, uh, find out more about them and realise that there are quite a few of us around. Yeah. It's been great. So the, the whole online community thing that's grown and grown over the last few years has, has been really special too. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. The The thing I, I fear for the Jays coming over is that there's not a natural rival. And I think in terms of MLB thinking, you know, clearly the Yankees-Red Sox is one of the biggest rivalries in sport, let alone baseball. 
Uh, obviously, the, the um, cards and the Cubs coming over, well, we're planning to come over, is pretty big in baseball world. I think for the Yankees, no, sorry, for the Jays, it's, you know, who would their obvious nemesis be in order to create that perfect environment? Because the game is still so new here, uh, relatively new anyway. And I think that's the only thing I feel that they're not in top draw position to, to be chosen by the MLB if they, they do some other games because we don't have that natural rivalry with anybody. I mean, I think for the fans, you know, Texas are, uh, are sort of up there a little bit now with all the shenanigans over the last few years. But I don't know who else they would put in the melting pot. Maybe the Rays a bit over the last season or so. Uh, that would be quite a good little matchup, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, well, it would have to be like an Otani Guerrero if they could sell it like <laughs> that. Maybe if it was, yes. it would be the, yeah. the the individual players, I suppose, rather than the team rivalries. But you know, they're both well on their way to becoming you know global names and brands, aren't they? I would imagine. So maybe that would yeah. work in a, in a couple of years. That'd be great. Yeah. No. Whatever. We'll accept it, won't we? Absolutely. We'll we'll be there happily. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we we had the pleasure of meeting at, uh, at 2019. And then you and I also had another joint pleasure. I think we were the only ones in the UK, but I may be wrong, to have a full season in Buffalo. Both of us put our little fan cutouts in and there we were behind home plate for the year. And uh, we were both very gratefully. In fact, I've still got my uh, just here. If I can just reach over, this works really well on a podcast, but uh, for Daniel's benefit, he can still see I've got my cutout from um, from that season. Uh, so, yeah, that was pretty exciting as well, wasn't it? Getting our mushes behind the home plate. Yeah, and 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 the Jays being good enough to send them to us afterwards as well, which was a, a nice surprise too. But that was great, trying to spot yourself in the crowd. I mean, some of the games were so bad, I think my cardboard cutout sort of got up and walked out <laughs> some of them. But, but actually, I know that yours got signed. It as did. well before it went over and it was just it's that moment in time that that year when people couldn't go to baseball because of the pandemic um we've got that as a little memento as well and, and i think that's really special mine mine's taken assembly at school because we do a lot on zoom and so on so you know he's been there i want to put him in meetings that i don't really want to be at and see if i can get away with that as well but he's up at home at the moment but no i think that was really special. It was a, it was a great thrill that they sent it as well. Yeah, no, it was absolutely brilliant. It was a sh- I, it was, I felt for the people the following year when they did it again, but um, I think anybody overseas couldn't get their cutout, which um, I think part of building that global community was such a good thing that they were willing to to post those out to us. So uh, as you say, it was uh, it was a difficult year, but a nice little memory to to have in the uh, the storage bank of of that that particular year. The podcast home of Blue Jays fans UK. You're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays. So, apart from your, your fan cutout, have you got any other sort of merch that you're particularly? I can see just behind your uh, your left shoulder there, your your, your Jays hat and a mug. Anything that you've bought over the years, or that uh, is your? Um, I haven't had the chance to to buy two. I've got a few different coloured tops and, and so on. And and what's happened at school is. Once you've once the children find out that you've got a hobby or an interest, and they're they're all very sweet. You get lovely things at Christmas and at the end of the year, it's sort of that traditional thing. They're all a, they all, all around that. So the mug you can see behind me is, is from a, a child because it's got a blue jay on and they know I like baseball. I've got a lovely keyring one and got me. Um so at a previous school I said that I I really liked um penguins. 
for in an assembly and everything I got from there for the next two or three years was penguins and I said Star Wars another school so there's some great Star Wars so the, the children have been great and they do some very sweet pictures and things like that for me so I really like that um I did a the postcards from home that the the Jays did they um online last year and they asked you to send in a message and they put it up on the screen at, at Dunedin I think and then send you a message and and I sent in one and they used it and they said, are we going to send you a postcard? I was really, and they, one of the players is going to sign it. And you're thinking, wow, who's this going to be? Who am I going to get? Tyler Chatwood, <laughs> who I think left about a week after I got the postcard. <laughs> so it's a lovely message and, and, and it's so good of them to do it. But you're thinking, wow, this could, you know, this could be a proper big name here with it on. Um, but that was really nice. They sent that. And then it's not Jays related, but this year, uh, for the World Series, MLB did a sort of postcards from home plate. And again, you just put a message on. And and I put a message about, um, you know, falling in love with the Jays. It was a really happy time at my, during my happiest times. I was on honeymoon. I did a thing about that um, and why you love baseball. And they turned it into a postcard and they took a picture of it on home plate of one of the World Series games. And then they sent some soil from home plate in a and a little bottle for me as well. So I've got some soil from home plate of game one of the World Series, which is quite a cool thing. I really like that. And this is all just from social media and fan engagement. I mentioned it before, but I think that sort of stuff's great. I, I think football clubs and things like that here, some of, some of them do it really well, but I think you could learn a lot from how the Americans do it. So that's that sort of stuff I really like. And the cardboard cutout, as I say, is something that I'll have and dig out and show the grandchildren. And yeah, yeah I really like that too. That's that's amazing. Great, great, great story. So there's one other little thing that we've got in common, Daniel, that uh, you did make our all-star UK Blue Jays team as announced by um, Tim Langton. I'm trying to think when we did it, maybe two or three years ago, maybe two years ago. And uh, just let everybody know where you were on our, on our team. Well, I'm, I'm the catcher. I mean, I'm the heartbeat of it all. I think probably because I'm the biggest person on the team and there's less chance of the ball going past me. I just stand there or just crouch down there and it will just hit me. But yeah, that's a real thrill to have Tim Langton read your name out. Someone you, you know, you've heard at the stadium and so on and be the catcher of the team with all the other names that were mentioned. is absolutely wonderful. So no, I, I, I don't know that my knees would take it. I might be a bit Russell Martin towards the end of his career and, uh, and not be able to just go and hit sometimes, but not be catcher. Uh, or just come in at the end, but absolute thrill that that, that happened. And uh, I will work on my glove work so that if we ever do actually take the field together, I won't let you down, Steve, I promise. Funnily enough, I think I on that team, I was out in the outfield in Kevin Pillar's position because at that point in time when we did it, I was really taken with, you know, how well he played the actual. I thought that'd be a great well, I'll, I'll pick everyone off when they try and steal second. You Absolutely. dive through fences at the back, Steve, and I'll we will well. triumph. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> 7 p.m. first pitch in Toronto. Midnight first pitch in London. We're Blue Jays fans UK. And we stay up late. You're listening to Red, White and Blue Jays. Any particular games that you've really enjoyed? I mean, obviously the bat flip game everybody talks about. Anything outside of that one particularly that caught your eye over the years and just that, that was a good one to watch? Or, or is it just actually I'm just grateful to watch any daytime game? Yeah, well, there is that. I mean, in terms of live, the, the games that I've seen haven't been particularly great, but I've seen things like I've seen R.A. Dickey, you know, pick someone up. I've seen Josh Donaldson hit a home run. I've seen Kevin Pillar 
dive and take a catch and crash into the wall at the back at the same. So those individual moments that you can bring out from from games you've seen live are great. So to be able to say I've seen those. I remember I'm gonna I'm not very good with with years and so on and dates, but I remember when we I think we played Texas in the playoffs two years in a row, did we? In the we second did. year we did. Yeah, in 2016, the second year. At their ground, I think we we raced into it or we seven or eight up really quickly. Just every single player who seemed to come up. I remember um, Kevin Pillar hitting one from almost head height and just hooking it around and hitting it for a home run. And just the way that we would go out and dominate teams right from the start, that was one I really remember because I've been nervous beforehand about whether we could do it or not and the history between the teams. But yeah, that was a, a great game. And then things like um, Vladdy's first hit, which I stayed up to, to watch, Nate Pearson's debut. So I think rather than than games themselves, um, or you remember things like Steve Pearce and his his two walk off grand slams in a row. It's, it's moments from games that I that I tend to remember. It. We're very lucky that if we haven't been able to see it live, then there's always a video of it. You know they're very good at the highlights from games and things like that as well, aren't they? But but capturing those moments, seeing those moments live, first game back at Rogers Centre last year, and and everything that went on before that as well. I think those those little moments are really special. They are extraordinary. I think you're right that, um, you know, as, as a fan, it's those sort of things that you clock in your memory bank. And I think, you know, I, 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 on that first game where they went back to, to Roger Centre and, and uh, you know, as the teams were coming out and just sort of seeing Charlie and Bo and all the other guys sort of looking so emotional. I mean, we don't often see, I think, you know, sports people are, often put on pedestals and, and so on because of what they're doing on, on the field. You don't often see that sort of raw emotion. And I think, you know, them reflecting on how important this moment was coming back into, into the Roger Centre and, and a whole, I mean, and the uniqueness of obviously the Jays having a whole country behind them in terms of the only major league team. It was a very special moment. And uh, yeah, I, I, because a couple of guys in our Facebook group who were very kind to send me a, one of the home T-shirts of, of that day. And um, uh, they just said it was just an extraordinary atmosphere. Um, so much excitement coming back in. And I guess, it you know, it was an opening day for us, even though it was mid-season. Yeah. And I think the, the atmosphere is, is a big thing. I remember the atmosphere. I know people talk about the bat flip and so on. But when um, Edwin Incarnacion hit that walk-off home run against the Orioles, Orioles in the, in the playoff, I mean, the noise that must have been incredible. I remember watching that because that was a game that, you know, could, it was so close and it could have gone either way. And that was, uh, that's another moment that, that stays with me. Those sort of hairs standing up on your arms and just, it's absolutely fantastic. Those sorts of things. I'd love to have been in a, in a stadium when it's full. That's something I'd like to do before, you know, I, I don't see any more baseball. Just watch a game where the whole stadium is full and the noise and the atmosphere and everyone's behind it. And then just that moment of pure relief and elation and you're sharing it all together, I think would be incredible. Yeah. I think baseball can give you loads of moments like that. So it's another reason it's a great sport. Oh, totally. And, and certainly at the Roger Centre when it's full and the roof is closed, it's, it echoes around that place like mad. I mean, it's just the volume coming back down off the roof as, as you go. I, I was fortunate or we were fortunate enough that we our second trip was in 2016. So uh, obviously off the back of the disappointment but elation of 2015 and how well they played and, and pretty much the sort of same team going into 2016 and again were, were competitive and uh, a couple of games that we got to see and it wasn't quite full but it was pretty much full 
just the noise just unbelievable it's so exciting and uh, there's nothing like that in sport is there when you get a crowd behind your team and uh, they're, they're going crazy uh so just to, just um i've mentioned a little bit earlier about colchester so uh, just a little sidetrack here uh, how many did you get at Colchester uh, of a Saturday afternoon? <laughs> well, what's, the, what's the noise levels like there? Really? Well, the, the, the guy who sits behind me doesn't stop talking. So my own <laughs> personal noise level is really high. But we get we can take 10,000 and we get below 2,000. It's not it's not a happiest of places at the moment. The manager's just gone. We haven't. You mentioned earlier when you're a season ticket holder at a football team, you follow them through hell and high water. Well, it's very much hell. At the moment, so we're we're near the relegation zone. I mean, when it's loud at, at the old ground, they used to have a layer rows. You know, when you could three and a half thousand in there sounded like ten thousand. It was incredible. That the noise there was great, but we haven't played well enough in our new stadium really to sort of really got that going yet. So yeah, maybe in a few years, but not yet. Yeah. Well, having having been a season ticket at Bournemouth for many years, uh, I don't know if you remember back into the late. 80s when when they were in that crunch game of they had to win to basically stay up and Leeds had to win to to be promoted and um, that was the last day of my last season ticket that I had at, at Bournemouth they don't do them now um, but um, it was yeah it's it's horrible seeing your team suffer and and um, and that was a particularly nasty game just because of all the atmosphere and all the shenanigans that were going on outside the ground afterwards um but i do remember i remember the game had you know the atmosphere was electric because there was so much tension of w- which way it was going to go it was almost like the last day of the season last year in baseball who's going to get through and everything came down to that one game and if they won they went up and if we won we stayed up and unfortunately we lost and 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 we went down and then the club spiraled into all sorts of very very dark places in terms of finances and so on and uh, I think most people probably have written Bournemouth off, but, you know, they managed to keep plugging away. The, the crowd, in terms of the community fund, got behind them. And, you know, they've had an amazing story and, and still, you know, still doing relatively well. I've been to, been to see Coastal play at Bournemouth a lot, because you're right, you were, you were so bad, you were playing us you yeah. know, for quite a while. <laughs> and you'd have no, um, you know, one end, I remember, was the car park. It was. For a long yeah, time yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. And, and so on. So, I mean, Bournemouth give give hope, I think, to, to teams like Colchester. And also, you know, support one of the reasons for supporting the Blue Jays field is because I with, with my football team, I don't support a team that wins a lot, but they're a, they're a great community, family club. And there's those sorts of yeah. things that matter. And and you get all the joy from the young players coming through, like you do with the, the prospects at the Jays and so on. And, and the wins mean more. And actually, when your team does get successful, like 15, 16, and hopefully for the Jays, we're in a run of it for over the next few years. You know, you really, really embrace it because you you've seen it when it's been the, the other end of the spectrum, when you've been you know down at the bottom of the league and so on as well, and you just enjoy it all the more. So that's another part of following a sports team that really appeals to me. Yeah. So, so taking that sort of view in terms of this is a bit of an up upslope for the Jays. Yep. Really good season last year. What was your take on how it all finished and and so on? What, what was your take from twenty twenty one? I, yeah, it was a really frustrating finish, and I felt sorry for everyone just standing around at the end, not quite knowing what had happened. It's not the way that you wanted to go, but I think there were times during the season when we'd have taken anything for it to have gone to the last game or the last few games. It didn't look like it would, and then there were times when I think you and I messaged. I think we just got back, just started playing at home. We're going, we couldn't, could we? 
because you just felt that momentum going. And what I really liked was there was a time with the, we keep going about the 15, 16 season, but if we were 8 0 down in, a, in, the, in that season and there were three or four innings left, I would always back us to win, you know, with the hitting lineup and the power we had and, and just the experience. And I felt like we were sort of getting back to that, that actually we were a team that could recover from being quite a few down and still come back and take it to extra innings or, you know, really put the pressure on towards the end. And there were, as people got more experienced uh, and more better at game management and so on, I just, that was really encouraging. I thought that was really positive that it's a team that was really looking like it never knew when it was beaten. Whereas maybe the year before and so on, you could go a few down and then you just play out the game, get ready for the next one and, and try and go again. So that was really encouraging. I think someone like, um, Alec Manoa coming onto the scene and the way he did just the swagger and the attitude he brought, but he backed it up with the way that he pitched as well, which was great. I I really like Nate Pearson. I really want him to stay healthy and come good. But the fact that Alec Manoa stepped in, you know, and did so well for the, the rookie season and will go on and get better, you know, over the next few years as well, was really good. So I really enjoyed that sort of people coming through and, and doing well. And Alec, Alejandro Kirk had really good patches as well Danny Jansen was rubbish for ages and then was brilliant for a long time as well and there are all those little success stories of and they're really nice guys too they're people you root for and people you want to do well and you saw them doing well contributing to the team and suddenly I suppose once the jacket was out maybe everyone just you know you could see the team really coming together the challenges of not being not having a home stadium and playing home matches where actually most of the crowd were booing you you know, had gone, and and I thought everyone coped with that really well. So although it was ultimately disappointing and frustrating, but there were loads of positives. And I know we lost a couple of players, but I think there's a lot to build on. I think next year is going to be really positive. I know, I know, Nate Pearson's close to your heart in terms of uh, obviously your interactions with him and, and stuff. Where do you see him fitting in? Do you, do you do you think he's still got it, or do you think he will be able to make it? Perhaps the better question in terms of a starting pitcher, or, or, or do you think he's going to be push down the order a little bit and come in as well. I, I think they need to give him another chance at a, a starting pitcher. Definitely. I think he's got the stuff. I think they think he's got the stuff as well. It just He hasn't been able to stay fit for long enough either. So even when he would drop down and he would start pitching well in the minor leagues, there'd be an injury, there'd be a, a strain. And whether that's linked to his action and that's something that he needs to fix so that he doesn't get that sort of repetitive injury, I don't know. But there was so much buzz about him. In the same way, not quite the same way when Vladdy came up there was a lot of buzz and it took him a couple of years to properly find himself and and deliver on the promise that was there and I'd I'd like to see the same time given to Nate Pearson but there will come a point where they just can't do that anymore and whether he'll be happy with coming out of the bullpen and and being a a high leverage guy and, and coming out of the bullpen most nights and you know delivering when it matters whether that's what he sees himself as or whether he'll want to go off and try Somewhere else, I don't know. But I really hope they give him the time and they give him the chance to come out again because what we've seen is when he's on it, he's brilliant. The, the problem is when he loses it, he, he found it very difficult to get it back during a game and, and it had to be taken off early. And he hasn't shown that he can work through it in a game yet, I don't think. So that's something he'll need to do. But yeah, let him let him rip because you know he's fierce when he gets going. Oh, totally. And I think you're right in, in terms of Alec Monroe. He he's got a bit more bullish about him, I think, perhaps than Nate Pearson, you know. And he and he just took his opportunity 
Although I think, if I can remember right, he pitched really well. I think he was at Yankee Stadium was his opening game last year. And he pitched really well in that. And then his second game, he didn't pitch so well. And everybody was like, oh, it, it, had we been blowing his trumpet a bit too early? But then he just bounced back. And and uh, as I say, was very, very bullish as he, he went through the season. So very exciting to see see what's happening. And and sort of with your crystal ball, where, where do you... Where do you feel we might end up this coming? Assuming we do get a season, um, where do you think we we will we will end up? Well, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because our league is so challenging. You look at the number at our you know games won and lost at the end of last season. We'd have finished second in most leagues, uh, you know, the other divisions as well. So it is really tough. But I think I mean the, the bookies have got us as fifth favourites. I think at the moment, um, only the Yankees in our league better odds and. I think we'll we'll be in postseason this year, and I think there'll be a couple of blips. But I think the experience of this year and the disappointment, those sorts of things, sort of stay with you and they motivate you, don't they? And they 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 fire you on. I think there'll be more consistency from players who haven't played a, a full season. Maybe they won't this year, but they certainly haven't before, and they're more used to that now, and they know what to expect. So. Yeah, I'm I'm very positive about where we're going to be. I like the fact we've got Berrios for longer. I like the Gosman signing. Um, I like the fact that the young core of players just enjoy playing with each other so much and are sort of coming up through together in an Astros a few years ago sort of a way as well. Uh, I think that's brilliant. So I am encouraged and I'm confident. And I think we will be in the postseason and it will be decided with about eight games to go. There you go. That's very confident. We, with eight games to go, we will know that we're in the postseason. Maybe not where exactly, yeah. but we will know we've done it. Ah, oh, I like in that, Daniel. Liking that a lot. I think you, you you're the most positive I've had so far with that eight game prediction. So let's see where they end up. But uh, I think the team are poised to do great things. And I've said it before that the the fact that we've got so many of the players returning. Um, yeah, as you said, reflected that you know we've lost uh, some key some key guys and Simeon and Ray and so on, and even Steve Matz I was reading about yesterday uh, whether the, the Jays will regret letting him go. But I think you know the the vast majority of the, the team are coming back, and that is an exciting place to be. I think it's an unusual place in baseball to have such a strong core returning for for another season. And they they've got the opportunity to tinker with some other players, bringing them in. I think they can get the second, third base positions sorted. I think that's still a bit of a question mark for me in terms of uh, a weaker infield. I think knowing what Kevin Biggio is going to do, I think it's another sort of slight question mark. Uh, having come up strongly with Bo and with Vladdy, he obviously with a bit of injury as well, sort of dropped a hut behind a little bit last season. So I think it's uh, a very intriguing place to see what's what's going to happen now coming up 2022. And uh, I think we've got lots to be excited about. So, Yeah, and I know he, he got a lot of stick, but when you're looking at a batting lineup where Randall Gritchick is coming in at eight or nine, and then, yeah. you know, two or three years ago, you were sort of relying on him for a lot of your home runs. That's strength in depth. You know, if you can put your, yeah. your strongest team out, George Springer stays fit. I think Biggio wasn't fit last year. I think he will be this year. That will help. There's lots of lots of upside on the on the new season. Really yeah, excited for it. Totally, absolutely. You're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast of Blue Jays Fans UK. Right then, uh, Daniel, we're gonna we're, as we're sort of drawing to a close. It's been so much fun chatting to you. I've I've, I've really enjoyed it. 
just hearing all your insights and and anecdotes and funny moments and, and and so on is is excellent thank you so much for spending some time what we're going to do is our little quick fire 10 10 questions let's see where you where you land uh, with these so who was your favorite player from 2021 oh um i'm gonna i think manoa i think i think the way he came in and just the attitude i remember there was a game and some um some of the batsmen tried to give him a bit of chat and he just gave it straight back to them you know, he wasn't going to let it affect him. And I think to come in with that confidence and to stay as good as he did, and he did have a couple of bad games, like you mentioned, but I just, I love the emergence of, of new players. And I know Vladdy was awesome and Simeon did some great things and Bo had some incredible, you know, stretches where he did amazing things. But I just, yeah, Manoa. And I'm, I'm really excited for what he's going to do next year. That's a great show. Uh, your favourite Jays player of all time? Um, I think I'm going to, it's a difficult one. I think Kevin Pillar, I just think the, the, the sort of the highlight reel of, of, of what he did in the outfit, and he wasn't the best um, hitter, you know, or at all, but I think he's an example of, of making the absolute most of whatever ability and talent you've got and just, you know, putting it all out there and inspiring your teammates um, and showing that all that hard work, and I know he was good at lots of sports, wasn't he? He was one of those all-round athletes, but bringing all those skills together and just diving through walls and crashing into fences and, and all of that. And he would score home runs or he would get hits at really important times as well. And he maybe was overshadowed with Donaldson and Encarnacion and Bautista and so on. But I just, he's the sort of person you'd, I'd feel inspired to play alongside. Uh, and so I, yeah, I, I go with him. Yeah, I mean, his heart on sleeve, isn't he, uh, as a player? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I really liked him. I, I know a lot of um, Jays fans over here uh, didn't rate him, and I think mainly because of the bat. But I think what he brought to the team in terms of do or die and getting to that ball out in the outfield uh, was just extraordinary. And and he did. You're, you're quite right. He chipped in with the runs at important moments, and um, but. I think he probably just didn't have enough about him to, you know, if he was in a really, really strong side, would he make it? I suppose is the question. You know, if he if he slots yeah, him, if you were looking for him to to bat top six, and and yeah. and have and be productive enough to justify his place, and I don't suppose he would. But but then there are those things you can't measure. Like, I, you know, I know Strowman is very happy that they were back together at the Mets again, and and how much does it give a, a picture? to know that you've got someone like him behind you. And if there is a, you know, a 10% chance that a ball could be caught, he will get there. I think, you know, those sorts of things that you maybe don't see in statistics, but that mean a lot to your teammates and that add to the overall effectiveness of your team. I think he had a lot of qualities like that as well. So, no, he didn't score enough, but he made up for it, I think, in yeah. other ways. Yeah, no, very good. Your favourite non-Blue Jays player? Anybody that who's stood out to you that, oh, if we could have him on our side? That would be cool. I don't know if I'd want him on my side. I wouldn't want him now on my side. But Albert Pujols, I think, um, incredible career. When you look at it, you know, hit the ball, just the, the, his swing and his, his timing with the ball. But I think as well, what brought it home to me, because I'd always, you know, like watching him play. And, and it's sort of like me. I'd like to hit the ball a long way and not run that fast because I can just go around all the bases and, and I know there was criticism of him that towards the end of his career, that was basically all he did was hit the ball and not run. But he, what he meant to so many people and the, the 
clip that they showed um, last year with, with Vladdy introducing Santiago Espinal to him. Yes. And what how much that meant. And I just think, actually, if you as a player can, can be an incredible player and have great records and, and World Series and, and everything else, but if the legacy you leave is that you've inspired people to take up the sport and want to be better people, and if you mean that much to them, then you must have been doing something right as well. And I, that was one of my favourite moments of last season was just how much it obviously meant to him. The fact that he went up on the outfield, you know, shook his hand and he said, right, work hard and so on. And then 20 minutes later, he's standing next to him at first base, just having a giggle with him. And on the same playing field, I think he inspired his number, all of that. I so hope who he was for what he did on the field, but for what he meant to so many more people as well, I think would be my favourite player. Yeah, that's a, that's a great shout. Your favourite ballpark away from Rogers, and I'm assuming it's not going to be either Yankee Stadium or the Tropicana Field, but... No, I have to be honest. My experience of MLB ballparks is pretty... You know, I haven't seen the best ones yet. I'm not going to go with an MLB park, though. I want... Um, if I ever go and play a game or watch a game, I want to go in autumn, and I want to go to the Appalachian State University ballpark because it is set with the mountains in the... So look it up, people who are listening set with the mountains in the background, surrounded by trees, and it is absolutely stunning. And I think, you know, I always try and look for where in the world would be the best place to play cricket. Like you see people who play cricket on you know, Mount Everest or the base of the Himalayas or whatever it may be. And I'm sure these wonderful scenic grounds where just the view, so the, the um, Cape Town Test Match, you know, has a great view, doesn't it? And there's the stadium there as well. Those, those are the sorts of places I go. So yeah, Appalachian State University Ballpark in the North Carolina mountains in the fall. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I am looking at it now. And uh, as you say, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, the contrast between the, uh, the fall colours of the trees and the, the greenness of the, uh, the ballpark and the photo they've taken is obviously just coming into... Because it's, it's just surrounded, isn't it? Yeah. It's got the car park at the front, but behind it, you'd never find the ball if you hit it in there, yeah. if, one, if you hit it out of the park. <laughs> I just, I, it's stunning. Yeah, that would that would do for me. It's almost, um, it, it sort of has, in some ways, a reflection on like the Field of Dreams sort of thing. There's a ballpark in the middle of a, a, a sort of countrywide surrounding. Obviously there it's completely yeah. flat in the Field of Dreams with the, the cornfields, but this is, yeah, it's, it's mountainous. It's, it's very beautiful. Yeah. I didn't know about that. That looks a lovely place to go. Mind you, there's not many stands there. So I'm not sure where you'd actually sit to them. Go and watch. Them, right? climb, climb a tree. Climb so a tree. Watch them a tree. It'll be great. <laughs> That's brilliant. Right. What's your favorite baseball food? Um, well, I'll tell you the worst which was at Yankee Stadium, they had a, a garlic and clove hot dog. And the, the sauce that went, I mean, we're on honeymoon. We don't need garlic. It's, it's not the sort of food you want when you're on honeymoon, but the, the sauce that went with it was foul. I think Philly cheesesteak, I would say. Yeah, it would be, it would be really nice. Um, when we went to uh, the trot, it was um, hot dogs for a dollar a day. So we tried quite a few of those then. Um, but I think Philly cheesesteak just done well yeah. with the cheese whiz sauce and all of that as well. The onions, absolutely glorious. So I would go with that. Very good. And and your drink to go with that? What would uh, what would accompany you? Well, I, I don't drink alcohol. Um, so my, my drink of choice is Diet Coke with a bit of blackcurrant in it. 
but I don't know that they'd serve me that at the stadium. So I don't know. I'd go with something like Gatorade. I suppose you'd go with something that you couldn't get. You couldn't get maybe in the UK as much and so on. So I would. Uh, I'd go with that. Okay. Day or night game. Night game. Um, I haven't got ex- you know much experience of either, but certainly football under the foot under the floodlights. I really like that. You know the atmosphere that it brings. I think people have been to work. They're, they're ready to relax and enjoy themselves more. Uh, and I just think under lights, the atmosphere there would be absolutely fantastic. So I would always try and go to a night game. Also, it's done. Then you've you've, you've got the game, and that's your evening. That's your big evening event. I like to watch the whole game when I'm there. Like I said, so that's my evening event, and then. Off I go. Whereas a day game, you get home and then well, you're ready for work the next day, or do you catch up on your marking, or you know whatever it may be. It's it and yeah, night game, floodlights on, music playing, crowd really enjoying themselves. Yeah, go for it. Fantastic. You're wetting my appetite. Um, favorite Jay's jersey color. I think I might know what your answer might be here, but dark blue. Yeah, has to be, doesn't it? Classic. I'm not such a fan of the the new blue. The baby blue that came out. Um, I've got a silver. I've got a silver one that I quite like from a few years ago uh, that I like as well. But dark blue, dark blue and white that is classic. Um, I just really like it. it's part of the appeal. It's Coach United's colours as well, uh, which which helps. But I just think it's really striking. Um, love it. Yeah, dark blue. Very good. Your best or your favourite baseball jersey number? Who, who would you have on the back of your shirt? Or your jersey? I think, um, you know, I thought about 19 uh, or 11 for pull up, but I've, I know I've mentioned, but no, I think I might go six because it's Strowman, um, but it's also Carlos Delgado. So there is a there is a legacy to that number. And there is a, you know, there is some proper talent attached to it as well. I think people who've who've played, you know, been sort of legends of the, of the club, if you like, and have just, meant a lot to the fans as well and have just really performed with that number on you, you seem to need to have a bit of swagger uh to wear that number it seems to sort of fire you up uh and i think that would be great so there's also the center half in football i was I gonna i was gonna say is there a center half re- reference to yeah uh, you're half or left back but yeah but i think yeah number six for the the attitude the swagger and the talent of the people who've, who've worn it before I would be very proud to wear that number. I mean, I love Strowman when he was with us, but I, I, I don't know I, whether he's just slightly lost, lost his direction in life um, from from where he was. Uh, I mean, he he always brought, as you say, that, that that swagger and that sort of very almost arrogant attitude, didn't he? To to yeah, and you think of the injury he had to overcome, and then they sort of rushed him back for the postseason, didn't mm, they? That's right. The the bat flip video, which I've watched many many times, just the the joy and elation on his face, the way that he celebrates and the, and the attitude he brought to it is great. It's one of my favourite things about watching it. So, yeah, I know what you mean. And maybe he's sort of become a little bit of a sideshow you know, on his own. And But it's, I know that he means a lot to a lot of people. And I thought he was great when he was with us. Definitely. Good show. Right. Finally, roof open or roof closed? I haven't played. I haven't been to Rogers with the roof open so i'd like to see that i think from a noise and atmosphere point of view roof closed and i think you know you're going to get a game if the roof's closed which is great as well but um 
I mean, when we were on honeymoon, we 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 ate at the top of the CN Tower. We ate in that revolving restaurant at the top. But I think to have the tower lit up and to be sitting in the stadium at the base, you know, and the views that you would get there, I yeah, it's something about a night game, but with the roof open, uh, balmy summer's evening, so it's not too cold as well. Would be fantastic. I love that. That's the sort of game I want to go and see when I go to Toronto next. So your seats behind home dugout. Uh, would be ideal there because you're you're on that side of the ballpark. The CN Tower's on the other side. You get a great view. It's it's an amazing place at night time. Well, I, I love it in both because um, I think the tower against a, a, a rich blue sky looks brilliant. Uh, and then as mm. it goes through dusk and into the evening, and as you say, all the floodlights are up the uh, up the CN Tower. It's yeah, it's it's magical. Uh, but there is something special about you know when you think about to those all those postseason games and the noise that was generated because the roof was closed uh that that is a a very uh emotional moment as well i suppose having a having a seven-year-old makes night games slightly trickier and also i'd love her to run the bases oh, join yeah. the, the oh, junior yeah. jays at the end of the game and, and run the bar i'd like to run the bases with her but I'm, we're not allowed so i think that would be great so a day game if if my daughter was with me um, but no, night games if I had the chance. Yeah, you've you've got to get Emma to do the bases. We we did it. We had one opportunity with our kids to to do that. And like you, I wanted to run it as well. But um, yeah, they were too old, so we had to watch from the sidelines and just video them as they were going around. Uh, but it's it's a great it's a great thing that they do for the kids. Uh, it just makes them feel so much part of part of the whole whole day, and it's something to look forward to. So I think even the day we went, the Jays had lost that day. But it didn't matter because they were looking forward to, I'm going to go on the field and I'm going to get to run the bases. So yeah, everybody's a winner. So good stuff. Daniel, thank you so much for your time tonight. I, I know that um, you stay, stayed in at work just to do this for, for us. So uh, huge thank you for, for your time and uh, just giving us your thoughts. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it and um, we'd love to have you on again at some other point. No, it's it's been a real privilege. And thank you, Steve, just from me and from all the, the fans in the UK as well, because I mentioned earlier, the, the community is growing and there are more and more people being brought together. There are more and more friendships being made. There's a love of baseball being spread. And you're right at the heart of that. And everything you've done to, whether it's this podcast, with Facebook page, the Twitter feed, everything that gets done to set this up gives us the opportunity to find each other and celebrate the sport we love together. So thank you very much for doing that as well. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. I love it. I, you know, I enjoy, as I said before, I enjoy chatting to, to people and hearing hearing about them, hearing their stories. And uh, yeah, if that if that helps other people connect with each other, I feel I've done a little bit of a job to, to, to get people to that place. That's very kind of you to say that. And on that note, guys, if you would like to come and tell us your story, I would always welcome a conversation like we've had with Daniel this evening. Please, please let me know. All the contact details, as usual, are at the end of the pod. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch up with you soon. Take care. The Red, White & Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Jays Fans UK. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.